You're listening to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And on this episode, it will be the first of a mini-series dealing with the sobering issue of losing a child to violence. My guest for this episode is Kristen Bell. We'll be right back. So, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for be agreeing to be on 247 Real Talk. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. So before we get into this really important and sobering issue, why don't you start off by telling uh, myself and my listeners a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself. Um, well, I'm 46 years old. I live in Florida. Um, I have three amazing children and uh, have a granddaughter. I did have a grandson. Um, I do a lot of gardening and canning and I travel quite a bit. And um, I also run a page for my grandson. So that keeps me very busy. And I interact with other people who have gone through my experiences quite often. And I focus on my kids a lot. Great. So, to get right into it, when we first spoke before this, uh, before this show, it was very important for you to tell a story. And I think it's time for you to tell the world your story. So why don't you tell us uh, what led up to this event in your life and then go through the sequence with us. And uh, as I have questions, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, I have a grandson. His name is Christopher Thomas Leader. Um, he was born December 3rd of 2015. Beautiful little boy. Um, it's kind of, a, I guess, an interesting story. Um, my son didn't know about him until he was about eight months old. And his mother brought him to Washington State, and that's when I found out I had another grandbaby. Very exciting. You know, grandchildren are wonderful. And um, about a month later, Brittany up and left, and went back to Utah and left Christopher with my son, which was fine. You know, he was happy with it. And keep in mind at the same time, there's another gentleman that was on Christopher's birth certificate. Um, and I'll get to that later, but, um, my son had Christopher 90% of the time and Brittany would just show up when it was convenient or she didn't have a place to live and take Christopher back to Utah. So you know, people would feel sorry for her, so she would have a place to live. But in the end, she'd get tired of having him and take him back to my son. So let me stop you right there. Just just so we understand what's building here. You have a grandson uh, that his mother conveniently left him with your son whenever, you know, it was convenient to her. And on the child's birth certificate, there was another gentleman's name. That is correct. Okay. Um, my son did one of those DNA at home tests 
through Walmart, and um, it showed that he was the father, but unfortunately, Austin did not take it to court and make it legal. When he was going to do it, at the time, it was um, it was in May, she wanted him back. She threatened to have my son arrested and charged with kidnapping. So Austin put him on a plane and took him back to Utah. And within about a month and four days of him returning to Utah, he was brutally murdered. Wow. Wow. Okay. So tell us, you know, as much as you can about, you know, what transpired and, you know, how, how did this happen? Well, I know I had spoken to Brittany. Um, the murder took place on June 12, 2018. I had spoken to her, I believe it was June 5th. Um, we were in the process of me buying plane tickets for her to bring Christopher out to me until my son could find a home for him and Christopher to live in. And um, she never indicated to me anything was going on or was anything wrong. On the morning of June 12th, I had just gotten off work. I had worked an overnight shift, and um, my son called me and told me, he's like, Mom, Bernie just called me and told me Christopher had died. But I think I'm half awake and half asleep, and I don't think it's true, and he hung up. So, of course, I called Cedar City Police Department and spoke with, uh, at the time, it was Detective Evans. And he confirmed that they indeed had Christopher. And um, at that time, it was being investigated as homicide. I then proceeded to message Brittany through Facebook. It took her about 20 minutes and she finally responded to me, but the response I got from her um, wasn't a normal response. Um, The first thing she asked me was, do you think I killed him? And I thought that was a bit odd. And that's when I told her, I was like, no, you need to call me. You need to tell me what happened. And uh, she calls me up and she tries to tell me he'd been sick and he'd been thrown up and he quit breathing. So they took him to the hospital. They had resuscitated him, had him on life support. But the doctors gave up and decided to turn off the life support. And I was like, well, Brittany, and I've worked in the medical field myself. And I said, Brittany, I know that's not what they do. There's certain steps they have to take before they can make that decision. And I didn't hear much from her after that. I actually didn't hear from her at all. And I stayed in touch with the Cedar City Police Department. I wound up taking a leave of absence from work. I went out to see my son, um, who, of course, was very very emotional. He was very angry at the time. And, um, we did a little bit of a ceremony, I guess you could say, but it wasn't the one, it wasn't a really big one or anything, but the police, you know, they did talk to us. They couldn't give us a bunch of details at the time because it was an ongoing investigation. I, um, I don't know how many, I know the day it happened, some pictures had been posted on Facebook, 
of Christopher at the lake. And I could see something was on him, so I decided to zoom in. And you can see bruising all over his body. And uh, I called the police department, and I let them know. And, of course, they knew about the pictures. Um, about two weeks later, Brittany and Gavin take off. And they go to Washington State, where my son is. So we Gavin, didn't know that at the time. So Gavin is the, is the gentleman who was on the birth certificate. No, Gavin was Brittany's boyfriend at the time. I'm sorry. I shouldn't mention that. Gavin Haar is the boyfriend that Brittany, she'd only been with this guy five weeks when she brought Christopher around. Okay, so he's He barely knew the man. Okay, go ahead. This was a new boyfriend that she brought into the picture and had Christopher around. And the two of them were both being investigated at the time of Christopher's death. Um, I called every day to the police department and I, I'm, I guess you could say I'm very blessed that they didn't, you know, they didn't get annoyed with me. They were always willing to answer questions the best they could. They were there for both me and my son. Um, at the time, I didn't know the leader family, um, Chris leader, who's on the birth certificate. I didn't know his family. Um, Brittany had pit us families against each other um, by lying to, you know, telling the other family, no, 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 this is how it is. And telling us, no, Austin's that. It was just, it was terrible what she did. Um, on October 11th, actually October 10th, I'm sorry. They went to court. Um, the autopsy had come back. And, and unfortunately, it was at the end of the day, so the judge didn't get to sign it, but a news reporter got hold of the story and printed it, even after they asked him not to, because they knew they were on the run. And um, the next day, October 11th, the Snohomish SWAT team arrested them. They were arrested. Uh, Gavin was charged with first-degree murder. Um, Second-degree child abuse. He had two child abuse charges. And Brittany was charged with obstruction of justice and second-degree child abuse. And they were extradited back to Utah. Um, Brittany pleaded not guilty for the longest time. And then she finally changed her plea. And in May 19th, no, I'm sorry, May 21st, it was, she had her sentencing date and I attended that. I went there. That's this year? That was uh, 2019. 2019, okay. Um, Mr. Har kept pushing back everything. He was trying to delay as much as he could. He wouldn't make a plea. He, he hadn't gotten a lawyer. Um, the leader family that did attend had told me he would turn around and smirk at them. Like it was a joke. Um, 
that that made it hard, you know. I wasn't able to go to all like just the little tiny hearings on Gavin because of the fact I do live in Florida. Um, at Brittany's sentencing, I did get to speak, and she did get to see me be there and talk. Um, if I can back up a little bit, my son, when he found out the autopsy report, he, um, my son got drunk and drove into a tree, so I almost lost my son because of all this. Um, Brittany and Gavin really have no idea the impact of all this that it has had. So tell me, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask you just some difficult questions and, you know, take your time. And if you feel that you can't, or you don't, you know, you don't want to answer, that's perfectly fine. But what exactly happened in, you know, um, to, to your grandson in terms of um, if you were able to answer, what did these uh, people my, do to the, who, you know, which, who was responsible for what and what happened to that child? From what I've um, been told and what I saw in court, I did attend Gavin's trial. That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I can tell you, I actually saw my grandson's body and what he did to him. Um, he was beaten very badly from head to toe. He had some of um, his hair pulled out. And um, I need to think of the right, how to say this. He was mutilated in his private area. Wow. So. It was out of malicious, not for other reasons. So you think, are you thinking, or, or in hindsight, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm doing this for a reason. Are you thinking that this is one of those scenarios where he wanted Brittany to himself and the child was in the way? I, the way I felt was Brittany was tired of sharing him with my son because I believe she knew more than what she's told. And um, I believe it was easier to get rid of Christopher was she, um, was she, do you think, or do you know she was present when this violence occurred? I don't know. From what I've been told, she was at work the day he died, but the pictures from the day at the lake, she was there. She saw the bruises on his face and on his chest, on the side of his head. And she did nothing. And that sentencing, did either one of them give a reason? No. They they blame each other. So there's more there's more to get into here, but tell me so that I'm sure everyone that's listening to to this will want to know uh as 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 the our blood boils, um what was the sentencing? What what was the I'm assuming they're both sentenced at this point. So what did they get? What 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 was the punishment? Okay, so Brittany got Brittany got one to fifteen years. The judge wanted her to have the maximum, which would be fifteen years on both charges. So she would have served thirty. She went before a parole board uh December nineteenth of twenty nineteen, which I attended. 
Um, I can tell you this, the parole board had already made up their mind. They told us it would take two to four weeks for them to make a decision. Christmas Day, I went to check her status, and it was there. It was there that she was being paroled. May She will be paroled May 11th of 2021. So she got two years. Two wow. years for her involvement. And what about Gavin? Gavin's sentencing, he got 15 years to life and one to 15 years for child abuse. He will go um, before the parole board in 16 years. Okay, so he's... And then he's, they will decide if he gets out. Okay, so he's got... So from what I'm understanding here, he got the... You know, he's the actual actor um, in contact with, and he got still, I think, a, um, a light sentence, you know, 16 years or whatever before parole board sounds, you know, like a long time. But, you know, when you do that to a child, I just think it should be life imprisonment or death, you know, death penalty. I don't, I don't mince words about that or I don't see any um, need to, to look for a plea or to look for a lesser sentence. It should, the guidelines should simply say, once you've definitively proven that this is the actual actor has done that to an innocent child. It should automatically be life in jail or the death penalty. Um, Correct. The mother, I would the not. The mother should have started the 30 years. That period. Right, she because she was 30. aware that something was going on with her own child and did nothing to stop it. She had opportunities to, if she was afraid of him, to tell someone to go to the police. And so... Yes, she's guilty by association, and she's guilty of having knowledge and doing nothing to help that child. Doing you know, not doing anything to help that child. So she's guilty of murder, you know, by association, so to speak. So you know that is that is in a nutshell the actual act. But I want to also know and for my audience to understand what you went through during the trial, and what you have been going through since? It has been hard. It's been very difficult. Um, the trial was for... I'm glad I went to the trial. It wasn't easy to hear all the details. At all. Because a lot of it had been kept from us. Um, I can say a lot of it was a shock because what you read online, the autopsy report you read online, isn't what, it, it, all the details aren't always there. So when you hear them in court, it's, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, I can tell you Gavin was very cocky during the trial. Um, He never admitted guilt. He blamed Brittany the whole time. Everybody seems to think you get peace, that you get, what is it, um, closure? And I can tell you, you don't. I have more questions than I have answers. Um, seeing the pictures of my grandson, I don't sleep at night. I don't understand 
what makes a grown man do what he did. And what's even harder about that is that, and this is what, what, what is, is, has me angry at this point. That's the only way I can describe how I feel at the moment. Um, is that Brittany is alive and has been, there's no double jeopardy. So she has the opportunity if she somehow has any decency in her to answer your questions and to help you to close, you know, certain uh, chapters of this. I have, I'm at the parole hearing. I even said that. I said, she needs to tell us what happened. We, we need the truth. She claims she has a disorder that makes her black out. And to me, I find that very convenient that all of a sudden she has this disorder. If you ever, um, I don't if, believe it. If you ever look at, I look at this show sometimes, um, the first 48, which is, you know, the television show that shows a murder and then it shows the detectives working the first 48 hours. That are the mo- that's the most critical time to solve a crime, the first 48 hours. And for the episodes I've watched, uh, I can't count how many times they've arrested someone and the person says, oh, I get these episodes, I black out. So... You know, that's just an excuse. Oh, yeah. Well, at the trial, Gavin tried to say there was a computer with evidence of Brittany confessing to what she did to Christopher. But it's funny that when you're getting arrested, okay, if you're being arrested for first-degree murder and they're telling you what your charges are, wouldn't you go, hey, there's a computer. You might want to grab that. Yeah. He waits almost, what, a year later from what I was told at the trial to, to write a letter about it. Well, that's, that's the self-preservation. You know, that's, that's when I guess at some point they go through that, um, you know, that check, uh, personal check when they're alone in a cell maybe and come up with these things to, you know, when, when the reality is beginning to set in that, you know, you're in here for the long haul, you're, you're going to pay, uh, albeit, you know, Whatever was done to that child should have been done tenfold to him. But, you know, that's when they kind of come out and turn against each other and uh, make accusations and and come up with these things that don't exist in in a hope. It's, it's It's an unrealistic hope, but it's so repetitive for people who commit these types of crimes. Right. Exactly. I think, especially in Utah, even though the judge makes the decision, at the end of the day, the parole board decides the length of their sentence. And I don't think that's right. No, it's not. Because at the end of the day, you're basically, and this is how I see it, they believe they can rehabilitate these prisoners that have committed these horrific crimes, but... Are they really doing it? How do you, can you prove? How can you prove that? Well, she was so, go ahead. I'm sorry. I've actually read news reports where they've let prisoners out. They've re-offended. Yeah, that's happened. You know, that happens so many times. I mean, you know, where, where you repeat offenders, there's certain people who have it. They can't help themselves. It's part of who they are. It's not, uncommon even for the most heinous crimes for someone to 
get away or get off with a technicality and then commit the same crime again. It happens with murderers, it happens with robbers, it happens with rapists, it happens with just about every person who, who or just about every type of crime that um, I've heard of. But, um, you know, this, this your, your recount of this story and sharing it with us is so important because, as I mentioned in the beginning, this is one of uh, several episodes in the mini-series that I intend to do for this podcast to highlight um, these, this horrible experience that parents have gone through and grandparents have gone through because I think... We, we really have gone to a time in this, in, in this country and in this world where we are so involved in ourselves that we are oblivious to, you know, things that are occurring, things that other, you know, the people have gone through that need to be noted, need to be heard, need to be said. And it's a call to action for all of us as human beings to pay attention to what's going on around us. Because I have to wonder, um, even with the pictures you said that you saw at the beach or, or wherever he was, you know, if no onlookers, if they never came into contact with anyone else who noticed that something was wrong. That, and it wasn't just that, but the roommate was with them and she didn't do anything. Yeah, so you see that that's the problem. We 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 need to I mean even though it seems like the world is going in in a certain direction, we need to we need we have to do better um in terms of helping to protect especially children. Um it is such a sad affair that that you know it's easy for us to want to black it out because it can be painful for anyone who has any level of empathy or concern. Um, I did an episode not too long ago on human trafficking and that also dealt with children and what they go through. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, we, we, all of us who get to listen to this episode, all of us who get to um, comment on it, all of us who get to think about it, we have one thing in common and that is we were given the opportunity to grow up and become adults. And so that alone should make us understand if we look at our lives, what was stolen from Christopher and what's stolen from all the others like Christopher at the hands of some uh, despicable is not the word human being, you know, for lack of better terms, who simply does not belong in society. Exactly. They don't. They don't belong in society at all. And they should not be allowed to ever have children. Yes, and they should not be allowed, you know, they should not just be allowed to, I mean, I want to be careful with what I say because I don't want to be, you know, overly judgmental, but they should not be an, a part of, you know, integrated into society again. You know, um, if you don't believe in the death penalty, you know, I'll leave that right there. But in this case, if, if that's not the case, then they should simply be put in a hole, you know, in a cell and, and, and close the door and throw the key away and just never look back. Um, but I, I mean, I know that these are all the difficult details that you share with us and I thank you so much for not only being willing to do that, but for your courage to do it. And I'd like to, to, you know, before we wrap this up, tell us, you know, you said that you have a page for him and et cetera. So tell us 
what you're doing now as a part of your daily process to deal with it and to preserve his memory? Um, I have a page. It's called uh, Justice for Little, and it's L-I-L, Christopher. I um, posted stories out there. Um, I, I've reached out to other families that have gone through this, too, and have had people you know, reach out to me as support. Um, I also, and this was started by his aunt, Conchetta, uh, we make little cards with his name and put the links to his page on it, and we get toys. And we put toys out for children to find in his memory. And then the parents can go to the page and read his story, and the kids get a toy in memory of Christopher. And by and I do that when I travel. I leave toys in airports, playgrounds, everywhere. And I'm assuming that, from your perspective at the moment, that is probably something that you will do for the rest of your life. So if you wanted to leave, if, if you had a message for the world tonight, what would it be? If you see something, especially it bruises on a child's face or the child doesn't look comfortable, say something, do something. No matter what the situation is, at least you've done your part to try to save that child's life. Ask questions, you know, don't just assume that, you know, it'll go away because it doesn't go away. It doesn't. And um, I think we need to take a stand for our children because that's something I don't see anymore. And dealing with my grandson's case, I, I see less and less. Of people standing up for these abused children, these murdered children. The sentences are way too light. A drug dealer gets more time, a, a, a drug driver gets more time in prison than a child murderer or a child abuser. Yes, Something absolutely. needs to change. Yes, it absolutely needs to change. And hopefully you lending your voice and, and this podcast lending its voice in this episode will add to the to the to the volume of the voices that uh help a call to action and, and actually help a change in the criminal justice system that is not state by state but universal, you know, across the country that puts this kind of crime in one category and one category only. Um, right. I want to thank you again so much for sharing your story. I want to thank you for having the courage. I want to thank you, even though I didn't know him, for the work you do to preserve the memory of little Christopher and for allowing others to use your story as a, as, as a conduit for whatever it serves um, for their lives. So thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you letting me tell his story. I really do. Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully others too, as the other stories come out from this podcast that, you know, maybe it'll continue to grow as a, as a, as a group of support for each other and people can reach across, you know, geographic lines or whatever needs to be to provide the support that's needed. Um, As I was listening to your story and as I'm about to wrap this up, if you listen to my previous 
episodes, and I know many people here have heard me say this before. Many years ago, I wrote a few compositions, and and from time to time, depending on the subject matter of this of the episodes, I will you know, I will read one or two. And as I was listening to your story, there's one that I wrote many years ago that deals with this exact issue. And as I say thank you, I'm going to end the episode with my composition. It was, it is titled Unwanted. Mother, father, why am I here lying surrounded by this wooden box and soaked in your tears? Why are you weeping? I'm sorry. I did not expect to see your faces filled with sorrow. Do you not remember? You are the reason that I am here. In case you forgot, let me remind you. I was born as a miracle of you two. You two who merged to enjoy your pleasures and by accident you created me. So I was born as an unwanted, saved only by the mercy of a mother's womb which could no longer tolerate the betrayal of abortion again so soon. From the moment that I could see and feel, you blamed my existence for everything deemed wrong or intolerable by you. You looked upon me, innocent, pure, and defenseless, and slowly but surely you battered my delicate form into submission. All I ever asked for was love and attention. Was that too much to ask? After all, the one who made the decision to bring me here was you. Now look at me. Lying here so peacefully, I'm free. And no one can hurt me anymore, not even you. You can't blame me for your poverty, for your reason not to party, and for the sins you choose to do. You can't smack me around because of frustration for things with which I had nothing to do. You no longer have to make excuses to explain why I am damaged and worn and tattered and torn. You no longer have to lie and deceive and disguise my blood as your own. And tonight, rather than tell those who ask that I'm sleeping and should be left alone, you can instead, instead tell the truth that I will no longer be coming home. How could you? I did not, did not ask for much. All I asked for was a mother and father. But what I got was you. So mom and dad, don't cry and don't mourn. Because I'm now with the one who will truly love me for now and forevermore. And don't bother to ask for forgiveness. Telling him it was a mistake. Because now that I sit cuddled in his arms, he and I shall decide your fate. That was very beautiful. I want to say a very special thank you to my guest, Kristen Bell, for being a part of this episode, the first in this mini-series, and for sharing her story with us. 
I also want to thank all my listeners and supporters for your continued support. I'm reminding you that you can listen to every episode of 247 Real Talk on your favorite podcast app. You can also head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net where you have the bios on my guests and all the episodes as well. If you'd like to send me a message or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email me at podcast.247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.